Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Welcome to episode 5, where I meet Teresa Mannion for a Zoom chat from her kitchen in Galway. Later in part 2, I meet with Mark Prentice, an Ulster businessman who divides his time between Dublin and Donaghadee, where he's involved in a young distillery business that's a great success. We cover his business and his views on Brexit and Northern politics. Part 2 starts at about 33 minutes. But first up, it's Teresa. We chat about her driving history and her life in Galway. And of course, we chat about Storm Desmond and that globally viral video. There's a lot to Teresa Mannion. Let's go and meet her. Teresa Mannion, thank you very much for for taking the time to talk to me. You're so welcome. Lovely to talk to you, Connor. Uh, and you're, you're looking great. We're, we're on Zoom, so I can see that you're you're in your lovely kitchen down in Galway. And um, um, you're, you're keeping well. You're looking well. I'm grand. Yeah, here I am talking to you from my kitchen because like a lot of people, um, COVID has changed the way we all work. So I'm, I'm working a lot from home, um, but the nature of my job is such that I'm out yeah. in the field. So I'm always on the go. And in a way, the pandemic didn't really restrict me in terms of movement. I was allowed to go yeah. um, to drive wherever the news stories were. So I have not felt that restriction and isolation like most people you know and, and you're physically out and about actually you, you probably drive a lot Teresa I would imagine nature of the job I am like a long distance lorry driver <laughs> I am on the road all the time all the time so my car mm. is hugely important to me on a personal level I'm from Dublin I'm in Northside Dub living in Galway I married a Galway man yeah since um but I would be up I'm from my family there's seven of us and so there's a lot of family occasions in Dublin so I'm up and down on the motorway all the time my mother is also in a nursing home in Dublin in her 80s so I'm up and down to see her a lot and then I'm on the road um, around the west of Ireland, along the western seaboard all the time. My area is Galway and Mayo, but we constantly overlap with other colleagues and you move into other regions as needed. Breaking news like Sligo and I often end up in Donegal as well, you know. So, um, yeah, travelling. So, so, so t- t- today is a working day and literally, you know, depending on what happens, a, a story could break and you're told, you know, right, Teresa, get yourself to... Um, you know, ba- Ballina in, in an hour and a half and we'll need you for the one o'clock. Exactly. Well, I suppose when you, the story that, that springs to mind and the one that absolutely captivated the nation was the paddleboarders, the, yeah. the two young women who um, were 15 hours missing and everybody was fearing the worst. I actually was working in leak slip. I was chasing a COVID story and I was working around the Midlands COVID and the meat factories was a big story yeah. um, news line last year. And I was up in leak slip when the next morning I spotted um, a message online on, on social media about these two young uh, girls mm. got missing on their paddleboards. And I just got into my car. I didn't even talk to the news desk. I decided I better get on the road. Connor, I just made it, I'd say, four minutes to one o'clock. And the lads were set up for me and I went (laughs) live into the bulletin. It was like something out of a movie. I'll never forget just before I I was driving and thinking about the script and listening to local radio and all along the the worst Mm. fears. You well, thought you were covering a disaster at that stage. Yeah, I, I, I really did. I, I did. And then a fisherman was on his mobile and he said they've been they've been found. It was minutes before I went to air and I was able to, cut, to race down to the fisherman, speak mm. to my here in Spiddle, get the sort of the, the, the quick basic details and yeah. then go live into um, the television bullet and then they go straight live into radio. So that's a, that's an example of, <laughs> um, and maybe it's an extreme example of the way news 
operates. You, you've got to be intrepid. Yeah, you got to be intrepid. Did I, did I read somewhere, I may have got this wrong, but were you originally in children's TV or is that... 150 years ago. 150 <laughs> years ago. Were we, you were a child yourself, clearly. I was, I was. I was, um, I was in a program called Young Line. It was the most... <sighs> exciting time to be straight out of college I did communications in Rathmines oh yeah and um I was uh, I went for an audition and I did an interview and just sort of waited and waited and then the news came through that I had been picked so I was 21 and it was so exciting I was extremely fortunate to get a job in television at that young age that's when I sort of focused and said oh you know now I definitely need a car you know so um My dad was driving a green Datsun 120Y, and that's the car that I inherited from him. He gave it to me at a good price. I remember the red. Well, it's your dad. I hope it was a very good price. It was a very good price. It actually wasn't meant, it was, he was meant to be coming to help me buy a car. We used to go to the car auctions out near Dublin Airport. Yeah. And he spotted a shiny red Ford Cortina and decided that he'd have that and I'd have the Datsun 125. Uh, well, that uh, makes perfect sense. And I can still see the picture of those Datsuns. You saw a few of them around. They were absolutely immortal vehicles, weren't they? They just ran and ran. My dad used to say, it goes like a sewing machine. Her name was Betsy. And he'd say, Betsy. You'll get no, Betsy will serve you well. And, you know, she did. And he had fluffy mm. red warm covers on the, on the seat <laughs> <as well. laughs> yeah. Did he teach you how to drive? He did, Connor. Now, I must say, he was a wonderful man, and I miss him terribly. He passed two, in 2018, Christmas 2018. Oh, nice. So, we all, you know, it's a tough time. He was a fabulous Jeez. man, a really great character, but he wasn't cut out for teaching people to drive. <laughs> he, oh, so we used to be absolute loggerheads. He was a train driver, you see. He drove trains <laughs> and he drove the oh, dark. Really, yeah. So he had a very good skill set, and he was all about safety and alertness and watching and scanning all the time and he thought I was a disaster he's like do you not know the, cl- the break from the clutch and you're in the wrong gear yeah, I know bursting into tears going yeah this is awful and so you're, you're really mean to me but he he, he to, even up to the um the weeks before he died he'd be in the car with me we'd go into appointments in that hospital and he'd say watch watch your man there now coming up behind you look in your mirror look in your mirror <laughs> Oh, Dad, can you believe I'm, I'm back being 20, 19, I know, 20, I know. Yeah. I, I, t- 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 times when you could literally kill him. It's the most stressful thing. <laughs> to, I, I, I mean, I, I, I had to, um, taught my kids to drive. Well, I say taught them how to drive, but their first bunny hopping experiences were with me. And uh, there's just something about that dynamic. We, we're going to wind up killing each other. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have to get now, them. You go yeah. on and take proper uh, driving lessons then. Did you get the test first time? <laughs> I did. And I was oh, first in my family. And you know what? They were looking out the window at me, my brothers, when I was doing my three point turn. Can you believe you brought me around um, Ballymun, Glasnet? And yeah. <laughs> see my brothers. But they were all, I don't know if you remember this, there was some kind of a government amnesty when there was a big backlog of driving tests. Yeah, in, in, infamously. Yeah, that, that was uh, Sylvester Barrett. And that, that was in, in, I think, the late 70s or something like that. But they gave away 30,000 driving licenses. My and, dad and my brothers were part of that 30,000. So I was ultimately oh. vindicated and said, you guys go out there now and try and do your tests for real. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, fair, fair play to you. Um, and so you're, 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 you're driving that long and you drive. How long did the Datsun last? The Datsun lasted me for, I'd say, gosh, I had it for maybe um, seven years. First brand new shiny car was a Ford Escort um, Aubergine. That was the colour and the, the, the mm. brochure. And no Northside dog was going to say I have an Aubergine <laughs> car. It was brand new. It was brown, but it had a CD player. Do you remember those? Oh, they they are <laughs> and it's hyper advanced. <laughs> the CD player was just oh, was mega. I was I was made up, and we moved then. We have like I'm married to Dave O'Connell. He's a journalist. Yeah, he, he's he's in the um, Galway Tribune, isn't he? I mean, he's been, yeah, uh, yeah. Before that, O'Connell Tribune, rather. Yeah, moved, um, moved to Athlone. He was. Group editor of the Westmead and Offaly Independent, and I, I 
decided to, you know, embrace the idea of moving out of Dublin. And the boys yeah. were young. Keen and Tom are in their early 20s now. But we moved and Orti very kindly allowed a new job, work-life balance job share arrangement. So I was yeah. working shift work and I was able to do it. Um, In fairness to RTE, that was actually a little ahead of its time, wasn't Teresa? He was the head of news at the time and he embraced it and it was great. It was myself and um, a one and only Welsh woman in the newsroom, Beth Ann Kilfoyle. Beth Ann Kilfoyle, yeah. Senior news editor. Myself and herself job shared that a seven, 12 hour shift, seven day fortnight. And I was driving all the time then between uh, Athlone. We lived out in the middle of nowhere. It was it was really rural down um, near the village of Glasson. It was beautiful oh, yeah. place with lots of, um, we were on about an acre and the boys had the best time with a tree house and we could bring the whole class. Oh, pa- paradise for, for you, two, two young boys, so it's paradise for them. Yeah. Paradise. But I was in the car, I suppose, all the time and a car, good wheels under me was really important, you know. Yeah. Um, I had forgot, I had an, um, uh, a Ford um, Focus hatchback, you know, the, not the yeah. Ford, Ford Focus, but the one with the big, huge boot. Um, that was quite a, yeah, that was quite a snazzy thing, I think. Was it? On the models, it was it was a second-hand car I bought up in Stillorg, and I remember used to see it winking at me in the garage near Orton. <laughs> and it was great for bringing the kitchen sink when the boys were young. You could everything into the car chuck it all in yeah people yeah chuck it all in that's why i had that car as well but the 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 ford escort was my only was my new car yeah so do you have this life stage where the boot is full of mucky football boots and um all of that all of that stuff exactly Um, now I drive uh, my favourite ever car, um, which I did buy new, um, is a is a Toyota hybrid. It's Luna, the, the CHO. Oh yeah, and a Toyota Vensis Luna. So yeah, they're marvellous cars. I just, I mean, it's so, it's lovely to drive. It's my first um, automatic car. Oh, I yeah. used to that, Connor. I don't know why. I just thought, oh, automatic and I wouldn't be wouldn't have full control. It's isn't it strange? My, well, my wife's the very same. I, I, it took it took me years to persuade her to uh, to get an auto to get an automatic. We finally did, and she was delighted with it. But like that, she's um, I, I call her a control freak. But she just yeah. really wants to feel mechanically connected to the car and preferred changing the gears herself. Yeah. Um, come here. We 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 can't we can't get away without mentioning without mentioning two things, right? The 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 first of those has to be Storm Desmond, twenty fifteen. Theresa Mannion goes from being uh, everybody's favourite RTE local reporter to a global sensational superstar, being hit with stop signs and spiral vid- in viral videos. It was mad, wasn't it? Just just one of those things that just yeah. took off. Six years ago, I mean, six years ago, and you're told that social media is a flash in the pan and maximum 48 hours. But this is six years on and every time there's a storm, the algorithms just kick in and it goes crazy. Uh, just Storm Barra, it was, I was yeah. all over everybody's news feeds and Twitter and the memes start and people still manage to find new creative interpretations they of that. Do. They In do. A few minutes on the prom, I uh, Christmas cards every year. Well, my guys in the office uh, got me. This is pointless on Zoom, but this is it's a, it's it's a, a coaster. It was in a Chris Kindle present uh, last year, the year before. Look, look at that. And it's, I got them in the post from my colleague Avril Hoare in the newsroom. Yeah. She, it was I, it was up in George's arcade. She walked in and she said, "Oh, you'll never guess." Yeah, I know it's amazing, isn't it? So I've had um, weather jackets from companies around the world. Umbrellas. I even got an umbrella. I loved it, but my my son wrapped it on me. A bright yellow, strongest <laughs> umbrella in the world from New Zealand. <laughs> I've had um, so many gifts and presents, and in the main. I get a positive response and I've oh, I yeah. really managed to laugh at myself at the beginning because that was the only way to go. It's oh, well, yeah. journey is never leaving me. It's just never it, going away. Yeah, well, it was it was it was properly funny. I, and it was one of those ones that, you know, it, it went mega viral, but you know, it's not embarrassing. Like you didn't do a Bridget <laughs> Jones or anything like that. It was just it was just fun. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't I 
I actually, we were so close to the Atlantic Ocean. We were, the technology now is incredible that you could even manage to transmit something, you know. Yeah, um, you couldn't really. I, I was like being underwater in a swimming pool. I couldn't, I didn't know I was shouting, but I, <laughs> I, mean, I, of course I should know that the technology is such that I did not need to roar because our technical people had it all under yeah. control. I just couldn't hear myself. So, I mean, I couldn't even hear Una O'Hagan speaking to me from the studio in Dublin. So yeah, I just know if they'd come off air or not. I just kept going. Just keep yeah, going and hope for the best. I was looking through my fingers. Yeah, I, actually, the, the, the other huge viral one was Angus McGreena with his uh, <laughs> with his facial gymnastics. Um, and oh, for, just for some reason. Uh, he's yeah. a good friend. Mine and that that is laugh out loud funny, isn't it? Some, is. some are they just are timed. They're the man that slipped in the snow. Yeah, he'll be he'd be famous forever as well. I'm not sure we ever tracked him down. We know who Teresa Mannion is. <laughs> but you know something, Connor? It's quite pertinent to say in this um, chat with you that I ended up becoming an ambassador for um, the RSA. For the RSA, I know. Yeah. Because, um, Despite all the frivolity and the crack and the madness and the memes and the Super Kaylee remix and everything, there was a safety message in mm-hmm. there that not to make unnecessary journeys. Not to make unnecessary journeys. And the sea had been because people were in the sea in Salt Hill and they edited it in such a way that made it sound like I was just going, don't swim in the sea. But actually I was saying Galway City Council were advising people not to swim in well, the there sea. Well, there were a couple of lunatics jumped into yeah, the sea the previous were. day or something, yeah. So the message, people did say that it was such a strong message that it did actually have some impact. You know, people did it, think twice about making unnecessary... It got cut through, yeah. And you you've, know, been, you've, been, you've been working with the RSA ever since. In fact, I think the other day, or yesterday, I just I, I heard you giving a fog warning. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. A couple of years ago, and every time there's hailstones, fog, ice, snow, high winds, I think they pulled me out of a drawer. And then yeah, I... See. And it goes, I think it goes on every station in the country, doesn't it? Those yeah. weather warnings are public service. So you're suddenly all over the, all over the airwaves again, you know? Yeah, but yeah. Well, it's, 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 a, it's, a fantastic kind, it's a fantastic kind of immortality in a sense. Um, yeah. uh, and and, and it, it did sort of um, made you more of a celebrity. I mean, not I doubt that's ever what you particularly wanted, but you, you did the dancing, which for me is an awful lot braver than standing in an Atlantic gale talking to the camera. Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just €2 per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. Connor, oh my God, I don't think I've ever felt such absolute paralyzing fear as backstage on Dancing with the Stars. It was amazing, but terrifying. I shouldn't even ever, ever dance. I haven't even done Irish dancing. And actually, Angus is doing it now. And I guess, ran, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, my very first dance was based on the on the video, the viral video on the prom. And we had you a, had a, you, you had a stop and sign with John, didn't you? And, and wasn't John Edward Nolan, we had the stop sign. It was his idea to introduce the stop sign. And um, it was just, we were doing this tango and the everything it was so it 
it was actually brilliant because everything was so high end on Dance with the Stars, the Shinwood yeah. production value. So everything was amazing. And it was, it, it worked sending it up and doing the tango to my own voice and then going mm. into the actual Annie Lennox song, Here Comes the Rain Again. And um, if it wasn't so high end, it might've been really cheesy and corny. But it, you know, it, gen it, it, gen it genuinely wasn't. You were there twirling the umbrella and everything like yeah. that. And, and it actually did look, and you know what? You, you did brilliantly because, um, but you were, you, you lasted for weeks. I, I can't remember who won, yeah, but you were there for ages. The eighth person to go, look, you know, it's one of myself and Des Caro, one of the two old timers in it. And um, I, I did find sometimes, what am I doing here? But the, at the time, what was great was you lose tons of weight. Um, you learn, you know. Serious fitness, you know, isn't it? It's, oh, it's actually, the, you get such a, an, an, an insight in, into how athletic dancing is. Looking mm. at the professional dancers and what they do, it's an amazing skill set. And when you see some of the uh, competitors, whatever we are, competitors, competitors. competitors. <laughs> There's some really sort of big um, sports stars, you know, and Aidan O'Mahony won it. In, he, in, oh, Aidan O'Mahony won it. He and did, they I remember. all say, oh my God, this is just unreal. It's so, so difficult. It's the precision and the, the, the things that they can do just left yeah. me speechless. You just never would think that dancing would be so uh, 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 intricate. Yeah. And the, and the ever-present threat of making a complete idiot of yourself. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, stepping God. on your dance partner and falling on your backside. Oh, it was, it, it, it's really, <laughs> I, I, it, it was an um, unbelievable experience. And afterwards, I didn't quite realise the sheer numbers that were going to be watching it. Oh, huge. The whole yeah. nation was watching. The initially, I think those first couple of weeks were something like 700,000 people watching it. Which is massive, yeah. Oh, gosh, it was, but it was um, an amazing bubble to be in. I And it was a bubble. I... I found I, they were very good to me in the newsroom. I was able to do stories out of Dublin so I could stay in Dublin, stayed yeah. with my parents at the time and I was dancing. And um, I I found it like being a kid in a sweet shop though, watching the the set design for each song, mm. watching other people rehearsing, looking at the amount of expertise and creativity. I felt you know, I, I was I, interested I, in the production values. As, as well, I, I, I thought that, um, I, I, and this was probably unfair, but I thought that RT wouldn't be able to quite pull it off because they were going to put it up against, obviously, the British version, the Strictly Come Dancing version, which is enormous in scale and in budgets and, you know, production yeah. values. But actually, the RTE one looked superb. Um, just the technical way it was put together, absolutely. I thought it would look like a relatively poor relation stacked up against it, but not so. It looked it absolutely not. brilliant. And, and the dances were amazing. And I don't know if, you, um, if you've if you watched um, Strictly, the, the dancer named can't, can't get Can't get away from it in this house, I'm afraid. Had a broke, uh, who had a leg injury and couldn't compete in the final. AJ, yeah. AJ. Well, Kai was was on Dance with the Stars when I was there. He yeah. was on it for the last few few years. So this when he got strictly, this was amazing for him. Um, yeah. he just went to the top of the mountain. I mean, usually you might come on strictly as a backing dancer and eventually be partnered with a yeah. celebrity in Verticoms. Um, but he he went straight in. That's his first season and wasn't he amazing? Was he, is he Irish guy or was he was No, he... he's English, but um the a lot of the dancers were from on Dance of the Stars. There was John Edward Nolan and Karen Byrne, two Irish dancers. Yeah. And there's like dancers from Russia, dancers from England, dancers, um, Julia Dotta from Italy, you know, so they're a mix. So yeah. they really had the kind of the creme de la creme on the Irish dancing with the stars who'd be just as capable of stepping out on Strictly, which is what Kai did. Which is you what know? Kai, yeah, there you yeah, go. So, so we've all watched him as well because we know him and we feel like, oh, you know, he's he yeah. was with us out in the studio in Bray. <laughs> Fantastic. So that was obviously just a positive experience. Um, and and so, so, so what now are you sort of ha happily enjoy the sort of um, Irish celebrity status and it doesn't impede you living life in Galway and do, do, doing your work? No, I mean, I guess it's funny. Um, 
as you say, when that happened, because I have had a few different sort of um, careers within the RT family, if you like, going yeah. from shows to television. And oh, then I was away living in the States for Manhattan for over a year at one point and then came back and I worked in a science program and then in the newsroom. So I've had such a... Uh, and nationwide too. You're still on nationwide. as Yeah. But what the video did was it brought a whole new a whole new audience, a new cohort, as they say, of young yeah. people who know me now. And suddenly I was, I didn't even hardly knew what Instagram was. And I kept seeing this constant followers mm. in Instagram. My, my, my Twitter was nuts during, I mean, it was going <laughs> day and night getting followers. So it was weird to watch how, how without trying, I didn't set out to do it, mm. that I became a very, a fairly... Yeah. What I say, I a robust presence on social. Well, media. It'd, it'd be very, it'd be very hard to do on purpose, but but yeah, when, when yeah. it naturally it happens, yeah. I think that's the thing. If you tried to do it, it wouldn't work. And you know, I've noticed a lot of reporters and a lot of different um, news stations around the world and closer close to home and across the water yeah. are all out in all weathers. It's a lot. Yeah, Everyone seems to be getting blown around. I saw Richard Chambers from Virgin Media in West Cork there during Storm Barra. And he was, yeah, he, in fairness to him, he was funny. He sent himself up and he posted it on Instagram, you know. And I was laughing. I said, oh, here's my crown. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. So are you? would you be tempted to do something else within the art? I mean, I know you spent you spent a year in Manhattan, but the the the, the, the US correspondent job would I, must be a, a really interesting interesting job to get. Would you be tempted to do something like that or to look oh for it? Gosh, I'm in the departure lounge, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. uh, no, I love what I do. Um, I really love working in the regions because you're uh, out and about. You're, you need such a variety of people. I mean, I could be up in Belmullet one day over in Connemara. Um, I'm heading to Westport tomorrow. Um, it's just, it suits me. I like the road. Mm. I love that no day is quite the same. Um, for me, I just love the purity of a good news story, of doing a story that mm. I've enjoyed and done to my best ability. I still get a buzz out of meeting someone that delivers great, um, great interview or you get beautiful shots or there was a double rainbow in Ranstone and Connemara a couple of weeks ago. I was doing a story on the um, climate action bill and oh, you yeah. just go, I myself and, and O'Byrne, the cameraman, were like, oh, look at the rainbow, you know, and we, we still get excited by yeah. all those ingredients that make a good and isn't that, a, isn't that a great way to spend your working life rather than, you know, be, being in a box cubicle Dublin office somewhere in front of a data terminal and instead you're at st standing on the Atlantic yeah. coast in Roundstone? Yeah. And it wouldn't suit everybody, you know, because there are times it can be a bit relentless as well. And the, the driving, I mean, you, you, you more often than not, I'm doing round trips of maybe 100 and... Uh, yeah. 60 kilometers you know i'd be in on the like on, on the back roads of ireland because if you're if you're covering you know west galway west mayo yeah uh, those are arduous drives absolutely they really really are and um yeah, and also you're often looking for news takes you to sometimes very tough places you I mm. could be I've had a few very tragic saying um murders and family yeah. farms and you yeah. are then looking up and down boreens and trying to find where you're going and there's a lot of that as well you know you're a bit of a detective too there isn't yeah. air code for some of these places <laughs> <laughs> um well it's 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 a it's a terrific uh, lifestyle that you've carved for yourself uh, and uh, and for, for yourself and your husband are the, are the kids gone now you said Keen's gone up to Dublin uh, he or was in Dublin um he um he has a degree from NUIG but he started over again his mom he's up in um the BIM College of Music he, he's oh, wow. absolutely music obsessed and he's a great singer and guitarist and he wants to pursue that for now he just felt he should what what, what name does he go by Teresa is he Keen O'Connell Keen O'Connell yeah. Very good. So he would be very, he would have been in a band in Galway Ignition. Um, and then I think the Roshan Dove was the second home. So um, he's actually home now for Christmas. But he, I think he felt he needs to just, in order to, I suppose, um, do justice to his own ambitions in the music scene, he needs to go to Dublin or maybe London or, you know, whatever. It's early yeah. days. 
Well, I mean, I, I, I have a son like that who's a, who's a yeah. music, musician. He did something with BIM and, and you know, he had been gigging oh. around. Uh, yeah, no, he's, uh, and it, yeah, he, he goes by Shane May on the grounds that you don't, uh, don't ever attempt to spell Faulkman to an American tourist uh, on Grafton Street. Shane May. Shane May, yeah, well, it's, it's his um, grandmother's name. Um, May. So, yeah, but uh, you know, like that, he did something with Bim and, you know, he was going going quite well. He has a wedding band with a couple of mates and then doing his own thing. But COVID for them was was clearly catastrophic. I mean, he's got a small handful of, of kind of one man gigs is all that's left at the moment okay. and hoping for better times. Oh, it's, it's it's just so disheartening, isn't it? It's really it is, it's a tough yeah. career anyway to pursue. Oh, you know, God, yeah. my other um, son was... Um, He's doing a master's in creative writing. He's just done a degree in law. And just for now, he's parked it because he, he, he's been writing for years. It's his absolute passion. And oh, so I God. have to be a musician and a writer. I will not be giving up and, the day job. And a, 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 a musician, a writer, and two journalists. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, who knows, you know, but I, I mean, I, one part of me loves that they're both um, so interested in the arts. I'm sure like oh, you know, yeah. And then other parts you goes, how are they actually going to kind of maintain a, 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 a reasonably... Um, and, good lifestyle and um, you know what they, they, <laughs> yeah they, they will they will i mean they're, they're, i'm sure there was a time when your father was saying you know what's this daughter of mine going to achieve when she's taking two buses to do kids tv but you know I they was, do. Connor, yeah you're right i mean i i remember um before i got the young line job though in doing communications and it was very very new lilia doolan mm. who lives in galway set it up herself and patsy murphy were our lecturers and um I remember kind of thinking, this is so much fun, but where do you go with it? Actually, the course threw up so many people in so many different spheres of media. Brian Dobson was in my class, you know. Oh, and, very good. Yeah. And Hassan was in my class. I know even recruiting into AA Roadwatch, which I want, you know, we'd be recruiting youngsters into broadcasting regularly and College of Commerce Rap Minds was one of the, the regular pipelines you get really good quality applicants yeah that's what we were and dave was doing journalism in the college of commerce rap minds and i didn't even know him never met him in the college at all (laughs) 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 as a journalist communication yeah so it's just kind of of assumed you met there but but but, uh, but no no. yeah it's funny um oh sure look at it all it all it all ended up well. It's all, uh, ha- happy, happy, happy ending for, uh, uh, for for you so far. Well, at least ha- happy middle. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. And I, I mean, as the as I say, the motorway to Dublin is great. It's two hours comfortably now, including my hall door to my sister's hall door in Santry. And it, I don't feel it. Um, the car is great. It dips. It does everything except hold the steering wheel. And the odd time of I'm extremely tired. And it was ever slightly wavering though I, I do pull in if I'm very tired yeah. to put a cup of coffee up in front of me well enough yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and you know I, I actually I actually I actually obey that not not because I'm particularly good but even like if I do a three-hour drive I just kind of bake into it you know I'll, I'll pull in halfway along and just you know get get a cup of coffee and give it five minutes and set off again Honestly, um, worth it, isn't it? yeah makes all the difference yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, well, listen, I, uh, many more years of safe uh, journeys. I, I look forward to your next viral. I'm not quite sure what it'll be. But, uh... <laughs> I'm going to check out Shane May now. <laughs> yeah, do that. He does a version of Hallelujah in Wheeland so that'll make the hair stand up in the back of your neck. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I'll, che- I'll, check, out, uh, I'll check out Kian as well. Oh, um, so look, we, there's obviously a lot. There's a lot, a lot to look forward to, um, and uh, listen, we'll we'll see you an awful lot, Teresa. We'll hear you an awful lot, but it's 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 great to uh, get a little look behind the scenes, and um, and listen, great to see, great to see you. So happy. Ah, great to talk to you as well, Connor. Thanks a million, Teresa. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Thanks to Teresa for taking the time to talk to us. 
Welcome to part two. I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. Mark Prentice is an Ulster businessman who's worked in senior commercial roles in the UK and in Dublin. He now straddles the border, based in Dublin, but involved in a very successful young business in Ulster. We chat about crowdfunding to kickstart that business and how they're making it a success, and we cover how he sees Brexit and the road ahead. Let's go and meet him. Mark Prentice, you're very good to talk to me. How are you? Very well indeed. Yeah, very well indeed. Um, A lot of change this year, and a lot of change, I think, for everybody. Uh, But no, I'm well. Looking forward to uh, a few days rest over Christmas and New Year. Yeah, please see it. You're 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 looking well over Zoom. We haven't we haven't met in person in a while. We'll get back to Grogan's for a pint. What one of these one of these weeks or months? We hope. So we're going to have a chat about a couple of things. I I I wanted to talk to you about Copeland Distillery because that's a story you told me, and uh, you know I've been up there to visit it, and I think it's a fantastic uh, success story and 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 hopefully growing. Um, but I want to just have a little bit of a chat about you first, Mark. You're uh, you're an Ulsterman, um, and you you uh, what came down to work in in Borgash in the Republic about what 10 12 years ago um tell, tell us a little bit about what brought you yeah well I, I suppose i i did the um the sort of almost traditional thing in, in northern ireland of, of going to school and uh i think most people either head away to to university across the water mm. or uh, or they go to university uh at home and go across the water quickly soon after and i suppose i of getting a sort of a general qualification that I could pretty much do a number of different things when I left. And I was fortunate enough to get a, uh, a placement role actually uh, with, uh, with the Boots company, with Boots the Chemists yeah. across in the UK in my third year. And, uh, and they very kindly offered me a job when I, when I graduated. So I, I, le- I left Northern Ireland, gosh, in the early nineties uh, and spent 10 years across, across there in a variety of roles with Boots. Mm. So then into Thornton's. And then decided to uh, to bring the uh, to bring the family home and came back to Northern Ireland, uh, and and went into having been in toiletries and and dental products and and then healthcare the services and then chocolate. I mean, literally, <laughs> I was all over the place. I think uh, uh, category wise, I came back and, and joined what was then the emerging um, uh, new business for Borgosh in Northern Ireland, which subsequently mm. became Firmus Energy. Uh, and that was really to to roll gas out across across Northern Ireland, uh, and was there about six or seven years. And they invited me down to Dublin for, and in, in their words, just for two years. Uh, and I ended up with Borgosh in Dublin uh, for nearly nine years, and went through various machinations of uh, selling the business. And, and yeah, I suppose a varied uh, career across, uh, you know, GB Northern Ireland uh, and the Republic. Um, Did you not notice any um, sort of cultural dissonance or any uh, differences that struck you between Northern Ireland and the Republic? Yeah. Look, I mean, business isn't really that hard. It's just finding out what customers want and what they need and selling it to them at the price that they're prepared to pay. Uh, and in that respect, you know, most businesses are very similar. But I have to say, I think um, not a lot of uh, cultural differences the working in the Republic tends to be a bit more of an ish culture. So <laughs> I, a bit more Mediterranean, a bit more relaxed. Uh, and I, I remember going to uh, 10 meetings when I first came down to Dublin. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I don't know what it's, whether it's the, uh, the strong Presbyterian influence in the North, but if you have a meeting at eight o'clock or nine o'clock, it happens by I'm on eight o'clock or nine o'clock. Whereas yeah. the South a little, a little more ish, you know, a little um, more ish. Yeah, a little bit more ish and a bit, a bit, a bit more relaxed in that respect. But look, businesses all over are are, are really very much the same, and the, and they they have the same issues and the same challenges and the same uh, ultimate goals, which is, as I said, really just trying to encourage more customers to buy from them and stay with them. And in that respect, it's, they're very similar the world over. Yeah. It's a, it's a happy knack to describe these things as simple when, when you do try and do them. So you so you you did something in parallel then because you were working as a sort of senior commercial director in large organisations. But um, but in parallel, tell tell us the story about the Copeland Distillery because it, it's a it's a young story. It only goes back five years. Um, but it was yeah. a very entrepreneurial little project, and and you found yourself being roped in early. But it it wasn't you initially, is that right? I, I was approached actually by uh, it's my niece's, it was then my niece's boyfriend, now her fiance, 
um, who came to me and said, I've got the idea for, for a business. And he, uh, it was actually a project in his final year of, uh, of university. Uh, and, uh, Queens, and he was in the uh, University of Ulster up in Coleraine. Hmm. And he came to me and said, look, I've got an idea for a flavored gin. And he, he actually, he developed the products initially in his mom's kitchen. And um, wasn't it crowdfunded? Wasn't that part of the story? Yeah, well, uh, we, we, he, he, launched, he, he developed a couple of different flavor profiles in his mom's kitchen. Um, mm. and, uh, and then through the university, managed to get some market research done. Um, and at that stage, um, you know, the concept was to buy in, you know, I've actually a very good quality gin from, uh, from, from Holland, uh, but to actually infuse that gin with, with fruits, local fruits from County Down. And uh, and he was looking really to to kickstart the business. And of course, you know, getting funding when you have an established business is relatively easy. Getting funding mm. when you when you're starting up is very hard. And uh, you know, quite frankly, the banks aren't prepared to take much of a chance. And uh, he he came to me and said, "I think I'm going to go crowdfunding." And I said, "Great, fantastic." And and we I went to a a designer friend of mine who I'd worked with in the past. Uh, and said to Mark, look, we need a design for a bottle. Uh, by the way, I can't pay you because we have no money. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but if we launch, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll obviously uh, square you up. Uh, and Mark developed a, a design for us. Uh, and we got some sort of mock-up. Gareth looked after Facebook. I looked after Twitter. And we went online and basically said, we're a new brand. This is what we stand for. This is the sort of thing, the products that we'd be making. And uh, and we launched crowdfunding and we we raised about uh, thirty thousand pounds in probably about five weeks. In the end, we had about three hundred and ninety people in total that sort of um, uh, gave us between fifty pounds and five hundred pounds um, as part of the crowdfunding. And uh, and we thought maybe fifty or a hundred of them might turn up for the launch party. Anyway, I think it was about five hundred. I think we, uh, I, I think we did, we did issues with the fire regulations in that particular venue that night. Um, but it was, a, it was, a, it was actually, I suppose it, it was a, a lesson on, um, on how local people are prepared to get behind a, a concept for a local business. Mm. Uh, and I think that's what we've seen in the last few years with Copeland that you know the community has really come behind it, and they, you know, people like to see a success story. They want a success story in their area. Yeah. And they like to be part of something. And, and it is lovely. I'm, I was up there um, during the year, as you know, with a couple of buddies. We met up with yourself for, for a tour of the distillery, mm -hmm. um, which was tremendously good fun. And, and a, a good few pints were had by all. And in fact, at that stage, uh, Northern Ireland had slightly more lax uh, COVID restrictions than down mm -hmm. here in the Republic. So uh, we were vaccinated and all that. but We still sort of felt like we were sneaking out the back of the uh, <laughs> class and... Yeah, so and great fun it was. But the the, the setup there is fantastic, um, and you, I know you do tours. It's in Donaghadee in County Down. Um, yeah. So I mean, Donaghadee. For anybody who doesn't know Donaghadee, if you drive to Belfast and, and turn right and go as far far east as you can without falling off the island, that's Donaghadee. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's one of the closest points uh, to Scotland. So, I mean, the Copeland. Distillery is so called because of the Copeland Islands that sit just off the coast of Donaghadee. There's a lot of history associated with the area. Yeah, uh, we're very fortunate actually that the guy who designs our bottles um, was, I think he was chairman or maybe still is chairman of the Ulster Scott Society. He does a lot of history programs on the BBC. And if Mark doesn't know a story about the history around uh, County Down and the Arts Peninsula, well, then nobody does. So, very good. Um, I mean, a lot of our products are rum or whiskey or gin, um, are all telling stories about um, smuggling through the Copeland Islands or when Donaghadee was, you know, was, a, was actually quite a significant port in the island of Ireland, probably a bigger port than Belfast at one stage. So there's Historic. lots of history uh, around that. And it's great in the products to be able to, to, to do a bit of storytelling as well as making some fabulous liquids. Yeah, and it, it does all of those things, doesn't it? Because I think it really gives the product uh, authenticity. I mean, you're, you're a specialist marketeer, I would say, Mark. Um, but but you, you can easily see why you're, you're, sell you're not selling gin or whiskey necessarily. I mean, good product is being produced but it's the story uh, that's being that's being sold isn't it the story of the history of the area and and the sort of pride that local people have in the area as you were saying yeah look i mean uh, 
the uh, the gin market is uh, is extremely crowded. I mean, it's uh, gin's just seen an explosion over the last uh, over the last mm. few years. Um, and to, to have any sort of standout on shelf or with buyers, you need that point of difference. And, and you know, we've developed some some beautiful looking uh, bottles. Uh, we've created some fantastic liquid that actually has won a number of awards. But you need to have something else. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of good tasting, great looking gins and rums out there. And to have something uh, that's centered in uh, where we're located and the history of the area uh, and a bit of storytelling um, is is a way of setting us apart. Uh, yeah. And actually, there's, you know, that, that maybe strength product I talked about um, actually was inspired by um, a sea battle that's just happened not far from the Copeland Islands which was the first time the newly independent U.S. Navy sank a British ship. Oh, uh, there you and go. It was in 1778, and uh, so uh, the captain of that ship was called Jones. Uh, so our Jones 1778 is is our cask-aged gin. Brilliant. Uh, and you'll never guess we've got a lot of interest from the States on listing that product. Well, do you know, there must, have been, there, behind it. there must have been a clever marketeer behind that move. Somebody um, somewhere did a did a very good thing with that product. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but and, and the, the, the success really is convincing, isn't it? I mean, the, you said you were, you were in the distillery over the last couple of days and it's all hands to the pumps pre-Christmas. I know that you've laid down whiskies that are, are going to mature for sale in what? three, four, five years. So it's a young business, but, you know, already it looks like a business with deep roots. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an incredible, uh, people talk about incredible journeys, but it, it really has. I mean, since from a university project in 2016 to, you know, a million pounds plus worth of a distillery um, and, uh, and starting to export. I mean, we currently export as far away as Australia, uh, the Lebanon, Abu Dhabi, um, and are growing our distribution in, in the Republic of Ireland and GB and, and now the States. But it's it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Then we're back to rum and, and whiskey. And as you say, we've been producing yeah. whiskey only really for the last uh, 18, 24 months. Well, it does take uh, time. getting some good reports. And I know you did I, sample some of uh, well, what was no, in I can yeah, I can give you some good reports myself because uh, I, I, I brought I brought a bottle down. I think you sent me a bottle down after after we were up in the distillery. And I think he let I, you taste some of the Cascade stuff, Connor, and I, I hope your your uh, your uh, your yeah, taste buds have grown back since you, you had me tasting 60%. so much stuff there that uh, no, I mean, t taste buds and brain came out of the place completely fried. But the whiskey enjoyed is a more measured temperament. Um, back here at base is absolutely lovely. And in fact, I'll, I'll be needing a restock. Um, so okay. I'm going to talk to you about that as well. Um, so you know, COVID shakes the world. Brexit also um, shakes the world, I think, particularly if you're in Northern Ireland. I mean, and for, for a business that is, you know, local at heart and root, but very much looking across borders and overseas, was Brexit... You know, stupid, ridiculous pain in the backside, or just one of those things that you have to live with, or how are you guys seeing it? Well, I, I think um, I think I'd agree with your first point, which is a stupid, ridiculous pain in the backside, <laughs> uh, totally unnecessary. And I think actually the irony of of, of this is that um, actually what we were left with with Brexit in terms of the protocol. It is a phenomenal um, opportunity for local manufacturing companies. Mm. Um, you know, being part of the uh, of the UK single market and being part of the EU single market is yeah. is an opportunity. I think that uh, certainly manufacturers in Scotland would um, would love. And yeah. uh, I think the concern for for me is that um, uh, I hope our politicians don't. Uh, muck up what could be an opportunity for Northern Ireland, but I fear that they are. Yeah, well, I mean, historically, you haven't been able to hang too many hopes on, on, on Ulster politicians, sad to report. Um, do you think that unionism collectively, if, if, if it is an, even is a collective, do you think this has been a strategic mistake made there? Because, um, you know, what was the, 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 the flippant line that was said about um, the Vietnam War, that we should just declare victory and get out? Um, but was there an opportunity for unionism to, you know, declare the protocol as a unionist victory um, and and embrace it? I really can't see what the strategy was. 
um, I fail to understand what the um, what the DUP felt was the long term um, opportunity um, for for pushing for such a hard Brexit, and, and we had some of the hardest Brexiteers mm. actually in the DUP, uh, and. Um, other than short-term opportunities for Northern Ireland and an opportunity to, to get closer to a very Brexit-leaning uh, Conservative uh, government, um, I, I think what we've seen time and time again is a flip-flopping, um, particularly in the part of the DUP, uh, in, in terms of you know their attitude to Brexit. And we had you know we've got politicians. Uh, I think they use social media well when they want to push their message out, but they forget that actually social media stays around, and we can see conversations. I mean, I think from uh, from the like of uh, Sir Geoffrey uh, Donaldson, the, the now leader of the DUP, that you know, 12 months ago was saying what a great opportunity it was to be best of both worlds, and the Northern Ireland Protocol offered opportunities for Northern Ireland in terms of growth. And 12 months later, it's we need to scrap it; it's not working, and. Um, and, and we need to go back to to, to the drawing board. And um, I mean, and the reality is that Northern Ireland, certainly the Northern Ireland that I see, doesn't have the problems of Brexit that uh, that, uh, that GB yeah. has and that England has. Yeah, perversely, some of its politicians seem to want those problems. Um, was was there was was there a sort of was the DUP's sort of unspoken wish, naive wish, that that Brexit actually would result? in a hard border with the Republic and, and would enable, you know, in a Ulster unionism to, you know, solidify that border and in that sense, embed its permanence in the constitutional arrangement. I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I'm sure there are, there are hardline uh, unionists um, who, who maybe would have wanted that. But I think, look, the reality is, you know, I, I, I grew up in, in Leafy, East Belfast, uh, in a unionist with a very small U um, mm. community, but was fortunate enough to go to a school that was actually quite progressive. And I would have come down south and played rugby down here and cricket down here. Mm. Uh, my father hadn't worked, uh, he had his own business, but he worked on an all-island basis. Um, and so for me, you know, the border didn't really exist, even though I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. And, and look, right now today, the border doesn't exist. It does from a it does from the point of view of your of your 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 uh, your, your cell phone, your mobile phone, yeah. having to switch when you get to Newry, which is a bit of a pain. I got to be honest, but I think for many people, the border is just not relevant. And I think more and more people I know from the south are going up to Belfast to enjoy mm -hmm. a weekend or a night there, and more and more people from the north. Are, are coming yeah. down south for their holidays, and I think yeah, which are Dublin is Belfast's local airport, really these days, isn't it? Well, I mean, it is actually at one stage it was easier to fly out of Dublin airport than it was to fly out of Belfast airport. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe necessarily with a view that that said that uh, they were angling for a hard border. I, I just don't think it was sufficiently thought through, and I think mm. that's my concern, I suppose, as a as a northerner who lives both sides of the border. We don't seem to have a strategic view on politics generally in Northern Ireland. We lurch from one crisis to the next yeah. and we don't have a long-term sense of how we're trying to build an economy, which I have to say, when I look at the South, is a much more grown-up uh, politics um, mm. than we have north of the border, um, well, despite, I, I think, I, some of the issues that are down here, you know? Yeah, I would listen. We have our fair share of immaturity down here, as you know. But uh, um, uh, but it's, I'm still to some degree comforted by your words. And and I think when you know pre Brexit, when 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 we were all part of the European Union, um, you know, in a funny way, we almost had a united Ireland. Um, everybody did, and the, you know, the the, the the border was was dissolving. Uh, um, but unfortunately, I think I think that's the one fear, Connor. I think that's the one fear, and we we you know I I hear things in the press uh, potentially about uh, you know EU nationals, non-Irish EU nationals potentially mm. having difficulties coming from Dublin up up to, up to Northern Ireland, uh, or from the south up to Northern Ireland, and and I really hope that's not the case because I think to your point be, between the St Andrews Agreement uh, and you know being part of the EU and you know and the common travel area. Yeah. It's uh, obviously really important between between UK and Ireland. There was really no, there was no friction at all. Mm -hmm. You know, people came and went. Um, and uh, and I remember whenever I was growing up, 
you know, in the 70s, 80s and 90s, it would be unusual to see a D-Reg plate uh, north yeah. of the border. And now it's commonplace. Um, and, and even 10 years ago, whenever I was traveling up and down to Dublin, it used to be, oh, there's another yellow plate. There's another northern. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I drove down last night and I think there were more northerners driving down. Oh, sure, uh, tripping than in there them. Were, than there were southerners driving down. So, yeah. you know, I... Yeah, I mean, but both, both parts of the island have also become quite a bit more cosmopolitan over the... the you know, certainly since we were growing up, you know, much more multicultural, much more outward looking, um, and which is fantastic, uh, fantastic. What, what about the future then? Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I despair that we'll ever have a sensible DUP. I suppose we can hope for one, but I kind of vaguely like the noises that Doug Beattie is making. Um, I, I don't. It, 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 is he speaking for a sensible middle? Yeah, do you think? I, I, um, I'm hoping that actually uh, the, the the so-called centrist dads and mums uh, will come out in their droves at the at the, at the next election because I think, you know, we're saying we're saying so much. Um, hypocrisy at the minute. I mean, I, mm. I, I hear. I, I think. I think that the issue. I think is that you know the DUP and, and Sinn Fein, to some respect, were in opposition for so long mm. that they actually still think they are in opposition. And, and you know, the number of things I see yeah. on you know the, the 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 biggest party in government, the DUP, not voting for a budget not voting for mask wearing, not voting for, you know, mandatory it's COVID search. I, I, I look at it and go, okay, I mean, I, where do we see the leadership coming from? And I think I, I, I also hear good noises uh, personally from, from Doug Beatty and the, uh, and the UUP. I think, I think they've got their heads around what being a progressive unionist party um, actually mm -hmm. means. And, and I, you know, uh, you know, I, I remember certainly whenever I was growing up, there was a sort of a sense of, of well, the South is quite far behind the North, isn't it? Mm. And actually, when I look North, the North is way behind the South in terms of, you know, women's rights and LGBTQ plus yeah. rights and and all those things that are just normal, in yeah. commas, in normal societies. And, and Northern Ireland still gets lags behind because we've one or two parties who just want to cling to the past. So I, I, oh. I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, I, I have to say, I, I like Doug Beattie and I like his politics, um, and I'd love to see both Doug and the Alliance Party, you know, do well at the next election because it'd be nice to get some sensible people in there who who have sensible politics and actually just want to make the place work. Yeah, which I think not. I think is. I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I thought that's what politics was all about. Ah, well, <laughs> in some parts of the world, you know, they could probably do with that. They could probably do with an experienced marketeer who knows just how to uh, um, just just how to sell Northern Ireland. I don't think that last five minutes, Connor. You know me too well. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't have the patience for it. <laughs> ah, but I would just. I, I would just. I would enjoy the scandals, though. They would be great fun. <laughs> Every every week a new one, um. So so the future's looking good, Mark, for 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 Copeland anyway, and and I hope you're enjoying life as well. I know you you sort of straddle the border. You're you're up and down a lot. You still have interests on both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, I have to say, look, I I I enjoy living in Dublin. Uh, I I I enjoy actually the. The lifestyle down here, it, it is, I think mm -hmm. you, you mentioned the cosmopolitan both sides of the border, but actually Dublin reality is a much more cosmopolitan um, city than uh, than even Belfast. Um, uh, and there's a certain, uh, I talked about in business, the itch culture uh, in, yeah. in the South. I think that's sort of slightly more, and, and I, I know the weather isn't Mediterranean, but it's certainly mm -hmm. the outlook down here is, is more relaxed. And I, I have to say, I think, uh, you know the people are are phenomenal, and, and as a northerner coming down, uh, even my dad, you know, 20, 25 years ago, you know, um, you know, very engaging and and very open to to new ideas and to new things and to uh, and to and to listening to what's happening, you know, north of the border, when you get a chance to talk to them. So, no, I look, I'm obviously spending my time a little time between here and and Donaghadee. I think you know was Copeland develops over the next couple of years certainly we'll have far more business in the south so it, it um, i may end up doing a little bit of work when i'm down here as opposed to um just when i'm up in donaghadee um, Very good. but you know great great to be part of a little business that's got a got an exciting uh opportunity for growth 
it is part of a set of products do you enjoy connor you know yeah well exactly and you <laughs> yes and you, you can faithfully test them all and um, no I, I i'm i was delighted with the story and as i say we, we, we were up and visited the place and i think it's fantastic and uh, you know gareth gave his presentation to us and the enthusiasm is just absolutely palpable so you feel that this is an enterprise that deserves success and, and looks to be getting it uh, the website copelanddistillery.com copelanddistillery.com absolutely i'm hoping you'll see an awful lot more copeland on the shelves of the bars and restaurants and and uh, and retailers that you uh, that you're in uh, well mind my, 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 you don't do your back in when you're stacking all those boxes onto uh no absolutely not i uh, we have a couple of men for that connor <laughs> very good very good mark prentice thank you very much thank you connor Thanks to Mark Prentice. Good to catch up with him, and I'm delighted to see things going so well. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. This has been Driving Life with Connor Faulkner. If you did enjoy it, or bits of it, then maybe you'll check in with us next time. Until then, drive safely, live happily, and come back and see us again. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.